Hello and welcome to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. My name is Beth Shank, nurse scientist and healthcare sustainability leader in Missoula, Montana. On the podcast, I interview nurses working at the intersection of health and environment. Today's podcast is with Jessica Madrid, president of the Canadian Association of Nurses for the Environment, or CANE. I spoke with Jessica in January of this year, and so much has happened since January that I called her back and reconnected to catch up with her about further developments in CANE and those related to the pandemic. It is really interesting to hear about nurses' involvement with environmental health and conservation in Canada and to hear Jessica's perspective. I'm so pleased to have Jessica Madrid on today with the podcast. She is the president of the Canadian Association of Nurses for the Environment. And I've been looking forward to talking with you, Jessica. Excellent. I'm so I'm so grateful for you to have me. Well, tell us a little bit about your background as a nurse and where you live and, and what your focus area is. Sure. So I live in British Columbia, Canada, and at the at the moment, I have the privilege of living on a really remote archipelago off the West Coast. So it's um, about a six-hour ferry ride from the mainland to get to where I am, and it's uh, the archipelago is called Haida Gwaii. And I have done a lot of different types of nursing practice, but they have almost all been in rural environments. And uh, I've definitely spent a good part of my life living in small communities in northern British Columbia. And I began my nursing career in 2003 and really just had a passion for environmental issues even before I went into nursing. You know, as, as a child, I was really interested in, you know, endangered species. And um, we were, you know, of course, the, the ozone layer and CFCs were a big thing when I was younger and had thought maybe I would go into, um, you know, maybe, you know, something more like become a biologist or something like that, but was just really drawn to healthcare and really love people. And so nursing was a, was a great fit for me, but my passion for ecological issues, um, nature and things like that, um, flora, fauna never left me. And so really quickly as I began working as a nurse, I, I could also see that there was a really clear place for nurses to be, you know, engaged and interested in how, how we relate to our environments, how our environments relate to us. And uh, so, I mean, it was kind of, it was an interesting um, trajectory as I as I kind of reflect on it, Beth, because I've been thinking about how to answer this question. And uh, I I went into graduate studies um, just kind of in the early 2010s with the idea that I was going to really start researching this these issues to do with um, uh, environmental health and how they interface with the nursing profession. And wanted to do research and wanted to get into education and all of these things. I'm still really passionate about. Uh, but I was living in a city at the time and practicing in um, in kind of the, the urban center, and uh, was I, I've just I've always felt more more comfortable in rural environments, and so I kind of oh, once I finished my graduate studies, instead of going down more of a research education role, I moved to this really beautiful remote place to be closer to nature and really in a place that allowed me to have these beautiful old growth cedar forests only a, a few minutes away from where I live. Uh, but of course, that meant that, you know, teaching and um, education in the way I envisioned was maybe going to have to 
uh, be something for the future or look way differently. And so I returned to, again, uh, frontline nursing. So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of where I've landed now is that I still try to stay really engaged in the environment and nursing uh, and, and, you know, hence my role with Kane uh, or the Canadian Association of Nurses for the Environment and definitely have that privilege of being on their executive. I've, I've been on the executive uh, for many years now and have been involved since the organization's inception over a decade ago now. Uh, but my nursing practice is very much on the front lines now again. And uh, and so it, it is interesting being back on the front lines and trying to keep some of these issues alive. Yeah, it's really interesting. So I'm interested in in two directions. One is I want to learn more about Kane, of course, and, and also I want to understand what you're uh, seeing and um, doing and confronted with in terms of this intersection of of environmental health and environmental concerns and your frontline nursing role. So let's take let's take the latter first, if that's okay, just to explore that a little further. Um, what's what sort of issues come up for you? And what do you feel like uh, is this natural intersection between nursing practice and environmental health? That's, it's a really good question because I think, you know, on the one hand, um, I mean, there's just so much more global consciousness around it. And so, I mean, definitely on the front lines, uh, we're, you know, confronted with, you know, the amount of energy that we're using, the amount of waste that we're generating. And uh, I mean, you know, I say these things kind of more related to hospital practice and clinic practice. I think that um, when I've had the opportunity to work more in the community and in public health and in those types of places, I mean, we have the opportunity to speak about those issues more as they relate to, you know, perhaps our modes of transportation or our um, you know, our food quality, I mean, in slightly different conversations, of course, that's an issue that we're definitely seeing more and more in facilities and whatnot. Uh, but it is interesting how, uh, you know, for example, when I was working in community and public health, we we did have so much more of an opportunity to speak about these issues in their really broad senses of, um, you know, indoor air quality, outdoor air quality, our exposure to toxic substances, our food, our, you know, energy use in the home, our energy use outside of the home. Um, all of these things and then coming back to a facility it's uh, you know within the confines of these walls um, what are we doing and it really starts to get back to um, in a way just uh, you know I guess like our our purchasing power and and things like that and um, exposure to hazardous things Um, and and again you know recognizing too that as far as I see it you know being someone who's been involved in these issues for over 10 years now I mean I'm really delighted that here in Canada there's it has broadened a lot I mean the climate change issue of course is is always the elephant in the room for us because we're living in a world now where it's harder and harder to deny that there are these climatic changes and that facilities the healthcare sector plays a part in that so Whereas 10 years ago, if I tried to talk about climate change as it relates to the hospital, I mean, I I remember administrators just kind of the eyebrows going up and, you know, kind of the sideways looks. Uh, But now, of course, it's it's a different it's a different context. And I'm really relieved to see that changing. Yeah, absolutely. It's it, it still feels too late, but at least at least the consciousness is changing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um I one one concept that I'm exploring and, and a colleague of mine 
and I are um, actually um, doing some interviews with, with nurses soon, is the idea of nurse-sensitive, we're calling it, nurse-sensitive environmental indicators. So these, these are like our quality indicators that nurses are thought to have more to do with, and this is in acute care, falls, infections, uh, pressure ulcers, etc. Um, I'm thinking that there are also some environmental issues that nurses can influence more. So you, you mentioned a couple in terms of purchasing power and, and exposure to toxic substances, um, maybe a little bit with energy or waste. What, what, are some, what do you think are some areas in your practice that nurses particularly can influence? Well, I mean, the one that I've noticed for myself, and I think the one that we probably, like our organization, Kane, has received the most emails um, about in terms of nurses that work on the front lines that are wondering, like, you know, what what can I do? Or conversely, that are saying, like, this is important to me is around waste reduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, as we know, the healthcare industry can be such a such a waste generating industry. And so just really, you know, I think it's it's just so tangible. It's so visible when you're, you know, maybe doing a dressing and then you can visually see how much waste is generated at the end of that one dressing change. And then you go on to your next patient or something like that. So, I mean, that really comes up for me. I mean, in in many ways, I know that um, this is, um, in one way of putting it, kind of a a longstanding or an older issue of ecological concern. And in that, you know, like back in the 80s, we were concerned about waste reduction. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not necessarily... not necessarily viewed the same way as something like uh, climate change, for example. It's, um, but but it's still very much uh, an issue that hasn't maybe been addressed to its fullest extent, and in many ways represents a bit of a low-hanging fruit for nurses that are in practice because it is something you know tangible. It is something visible. You can do a waste audit in your facility and see what's actually being thrown away. And there are resources out there that talk about uh, more responsible purchasing and these types of things. So that, that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. Well, and we know waste waste is related to climate change, not only in how we dispose of waste, but in our overconsumption of all these single-use items. Absolutely. And that's a really important point, too, that I think I'm really glad you mentioned that because, um, you know, for those of us that are trying to um, make all of those connections really salient, uh, yeah, it it is really important to mention. I think that's something that is both kind of the, the beauty and like the most frustrating thing about the work that we do is that all of these environmental issues are also ubiquitous and also connected. Mm-hmm. Also, I think I, I, I get a lot of questions about waste also because I think it's right in front of us, but I consider it a gateway drug to the rest. <laughs> Once people start to dig into the complexity of waste, which is quite complex and quite um, you know, highly regulated and very expensive, and there's a lot of uh, progress we can make. And I do, I agree with you that nurses are, um, you know, we segregate a, a huge percentage of the waste in healthcare. Tell me a bit more about the association, the Canadian Association of Nurses for the Environment. How does that work? So our association uh, falls under the Canadian Nurses Association, which is basically our 
national organization that represents the voice of nurses in Canada. And back in 2007, the environment was the the issue that the CNA was definitely uh, embracing as the the issue for that year and for nurses across the nation. And so a task force was struck at that time. And it's hard to believe that, yeah, that was over a decade ago. Uh, a task force was struck of nurses across our country to talk about how the CNA could be engaged a little bit more deeply in environmental issues. And so it was really amazing that we had nurses from all across our country come together and participate in, uh, in engagement sessions. And from that uh, arose the idea that we should have a group um, of members, um, you know, invite nurses across our nation to be a part of a group whose mandate was specifically looking at how nurses could be involved in environmental health and the promotion of it and education and awareness, networking, all these things. And so it's... Um, it's been it's been a bit of an interesting ride because I mean you know certainly with this issue and as I know is the case with many issues, we have a lot of passionate people out there, but we are all kind of doing this work off the side of our desks, and so sometimes I know that we we have really great ambitions and uh, and you know time and resources is often the limiting factor. Uh, but yes, we, we've been in existence now for over a decade, and we're really pleased that we have membership all across our big country. And uh, of course, we have a huge concentration of our membership on the west coast of our country, and then in our big province of Ontario, and then, um, you know, also representation in the middle of our country too, but definitely more of a concentration on, you know, the one coast and the other. And we have nurses definitely from all sectors of practice. We have an amazing contingent of acute care nurses and certainly a lot of representation from nurses that work in community and public health and a really great contingent of um, nursing academics, which is, of course, so valuable because we've been involved in the creation of position statements and helping uh, the Canadian Nurses Association with position statements involving in climate change in the environment. And also we've been involved in helping with uh, position statements for our Canadian Federation of Nurses Unions and, uh, and many other organizations in our country that are also concerned about these issues. So we're, we're really uh, honored that we are still in existence and definitely growing as these issues become more and more important to nurses across our country and across the world. Yeah, I bet a lot of people are, are reaching out these days, um, as because as you say, it's it's really more difficult to ignore that this that our environmental crisis is influencing health outcomes and influencing uh, nurses as they practice. Absolutely, absolutely, and it, it has also been really, I think, um, fascinating for those of us that have been involved in this work now for you know maybe like a decade plus to see how um, there is that paradigm shift happening. I mean, again, ten years ago, we were really, I think, in many ways, still 
kind of justifying our existence to maybe other practice groups or other um, associations that we were kind of reaching out to partner with. People were still kind of curious, like, hmm, why, why is there this group of nurses in the environment? How does that relate to your work as a nurse in the hospital? And we would spend, I think, a lot more time kind of explaining, like, why this is important, why this is a nursing issue. And, uh, and, and today we just, I find, don't need to have that, con- that kind of preliminary conversation so much or quite as deeply. People just get it. Yeah. Um, that's really great that you're affiliated with your Canadian Nurses Association. Are there other such uh, groups or um, different sort of councils that are also affiliated? So, for instance, just to understand how it works in Canada compared to the U.S., uh, we would have professional organizations, for instance, the American Organization of Operating Room Nurses or of ER nurses. But those are um, usually formed by those members themselves rather than as a subset of, of our ANA. How does that work in Canada? Right. So we we have several groups that are kind of nested underneath the, the CNA or the Canadian Nurses Association. And so, of course, um, I think much like you're describing, like underneath the CNA, there are the various specialty nursing practice groups, you know, be it operating room nurses or um, uh, diabetes education or perinatal services. Um, there are these, you know, specialty nursing groups. And um uh, I mean, it, it, I would imagine being just a product of um, organization, we were nested under those groups, which I think created some um, some kind of interesting like organizational mental challenges for the CNA when this occurred, because we weren't really a group that you could have um you know, like a, a certified practice body of knowledge and then exam for, or, or at least that wasn't quite as evident as with some of the other nurses. And yet we did represent um, a nursing issue that did have a specialized body of knowledge. So it, yeah, back in our in our earlier years, it, it was kind of an interesting thing to note that we were like these other groups, but not, and kind of a bit of the odd one out in some respects. Um, but again, with the passage of time, there have been some, I think, some other groups that have also kind of been tucked under that nursing specialty um, structure of the CNA. So we're not the only one. Uh, but so so that, that's where we're nested. But then kind of beyond that, yeah, absolutely much like... Um, like you folks in the south, every one of our provinces and territories, or, or you know, for the most part, our provinces and territories also have um, provincial nursing organizations, and um, we not most of our provincial nursing organizations don't have a group nested underneath them that are concerned with environmental issues, but um, uh, but some do. And for example, Ontario, one of our um, you know, more densely populated provinces uh, certainly has a wonderful provincial group that addresses these issues. And um, and that's not to say that the provincial nursing associations that we have in our country aren't increasingly taking up an interest in environmental ecological issues. And so, um, yeah, we're, we're definitely seeing more and more of that happen. And I, and I think, you know, we can give uh, Kane ourselves a little bit of a pat on the back for definitely um, being advocates for that and helping that to happen, that we see our 
provincial associations coming out with position statements on climate change and whatnot. And um, we're also, you know, working increasingly with our nursing unions across the country to see them engaged in um, environmental and ecological issues as well. So our group definitely um, has spent and continues to spend a lot of time trying to network with other nursing groups that are interested in these issues. Um, but in terms of a national voice, we, we're kind of it. So yeah, we are the the overarching group, so to speak, and and always just wanting to make sure that we um, are keeping those, those ties and connections with all of the provincial and territorial work that's happening. That's great. It's, uh, it, I'm, and I, as I look at your website, it looks, you know, very comprehensive, and you focus on advocacy and education and research. And uh, I, I can imagine that you, you all are the voice of expertise uh, for your nursing nurses in Canada. That's absolutely our mandate. Well, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Beth. And, yeah. you know, I think definitely um, there's, there's something that I don't know if it's something in the air or something in the time or, or what have you. But this year, this year, 2020, and especially in the lead up to it, I know our organization is feeling a lot of renewed um passion and enthusiasm for the work that we're doing. We've got a new executive, well, many new members to our executive board. We have some really amazing longstanding members still on our executive. And uh, and we're really, I think, stoked for the work ahead and the time ahead. And, and definitely, we're really excited to be strengthening our connections with Annie, too, because we know that um, you folks are definitely doing some amazing work and we really... Um, we hold you up as an example of an organization um, to model, and and we're really grateful for increasing opportunities to collaborate. I mean, the the Nurses Climate Challenge, for me personally, is something that I'm really excited about, and seeing that uh, promoted more strongly in our country, and getting Canadian nurses involved with the Nurses Climate Challenge. And there's, I know, going to be many more examples like that to come. Yeah, it's wonderful. The, yeah, Annie, the Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments is um, firing on many cylinders right now with the Environmental Health Fellowship, which is limited to the U.S. at least right now from, from our funding. But there are 30 nurses who have been selected from across the, the nation who are working with mentors on an environmental health project in their community. And it's just so interesting to hear what people are discovering, what they're finding in terms of structures that exist or don't exist, what are the environmental health needs, and why why and how is the nursing voice so relevant. Also, I don't know if you are aware of the chant, but I'm just going to throw it out there because it's kind of a parallel uh, tool with the Nurses Climate Challenge in a way, and it is mm -hmm. the Climate Health and Nursing Tool, and that is available also to to anyone around the world. Um, so if that's something that you would like to use in Canada, uh, that's certainly possible. And I, I can send you results from, uh, it measures awareness of climate and health focused issues, uh, what people are seeing in their practice, in their patients, um, what motivates them to act or demotivates them, and what are some of the behaviors they're doing. So it's just a way to, to measure at a point in time um, what's going on in a, in a group of nurses. So we'll be reporting out on 2019 findings here pretty soon. We're working on that manuscript now. And it's open for 2020. That's excellent. Thank you so much for, yeah. for making that... Um for making that really salient for us, Beth, because 
something that I know we're experiencing with Kane is that there is so much great work being done out there. And and sometimes there are people doing the same types of work. Mm-hmm. And of course, with our time and resources being so precious and so limited, we're so cognizant of not wanting to recreate the wheel. And okay. so I know that, again, a big focus of our work right now is networking, is communicating with the other folks that are doing this work so that we can benefit from this great work that's already been done and take it that one step further rather than just you know having to spin our wheels because we're still trying to figure out how to collect data or we're still trying to figure out how to develop the best toolkit or something like that so mm-hmm. definitely communication and networking is is a high priority for us these days because we know that a lot of the good work has already been done we just need to find it and get it out there yeah, amplify. That's right. All, all of all 30 million of us, if I, I understand there's about 30 million nurses in the world, and it would be great to mobilize all or at least a big chunk, especially with climate, since it's so urgent. Um, and that reminds me, I don't know if you've heard yet about nurses drawdown. Um, this is something that um, I'm working on with a number of others. I'm not leading it. I'm just supporting it. But um, and this will be a global effort. Uh, associated with Project Drawdown, which is the um, a list of the top 100 things that scientists and engineers and climate specialists think we can do to mitigate climate change. And so we have are working with the Project Drawdown folks and have chosen four areas uh, that we think are relevant to nurses around the world. So we'll be rolling that out. We're, we're, we're aiming for April, but, you know, time is short. So just... Uh, uh, we can certainly keep in touch with you about that. It would be great to, to um, share that across Canada as much as we could as well. I would really like to know more about that. And I'm excited about the, the prospect of sharing that more with our members. Yeah, great. Well, more, more to come. It's not very developed yet. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Well, it, it's great to hear about these kinds of initiatives that are happening uh, because I think we have here in Canada a membership of nurses that that are excited to know more. Like, what can I do? What can I participate in? And uh, and they're there. You know, yeah. the opportunities and the information are there. We just have to again be that conduit for uh, the right information, getting to some very enthusiastic people, some very enthusiastic nurses that we're blessed to have. You bet. Um, I wanted to explore with you, you talked about this a little bit when you talked about your background and your interest in environmental um, concerns or issues or your love of the environment uh, before you were a nurse. But um, I'm often interested in, in the people I interview is what motivates you for this work? Why, why do you think you care about this and what keeps you going, uh, even though a lot of times we're kind of swimming upstream with this work? That's a really good question, Beth. And... On the one hand, I I was inclined to say something to the effect of that I'm a parent Mm -hmm. and that like so many parents out there, we want to leave a healthy world for our children. And that's a, a really, really strong motivator. However, I'm a relatively new parent. I have an eight-month-old little guy, and this I know has been alive with me for a long time. And so I guess for myself, it, it just really comes back to that feeling of duty, you know, just like being a good citizen, um, a good human being in so many regards. Um, I think for many of us, it's just programmed into us that this is this is just our duty as human beings and so 
um, I think, you know, perhaps it's the the product of, uh, you know, my my beautiful um, uh, natural communities that I've lived in since I was quite young and my upbringing that uh, it's just really a part of my default setting that, you know, I, I must be engaged in these issues just as I must help someone um, who's injured, you know, um, that I come across. And uh, but the larger question of, you know, staying motivated and things like that when these issues can become so overwhelming and um, and the work is just like it's like shoveling water. We've talked about sometimes it just never ends. And and again, the issues are just I mean, they're global issues. I think that um, what, keep, what what helps me to stay motivated is just seeing it as a marathon. This work will never be a sprint. Um, it will be the long game. And it's in how we view our successes. So just really framing it in my mind in ways that help me to realize that it's a long game and that this is a life's work. And at the end of the day, um, when I when I am an elder, that I'll be able to look within myself and look at the younger generations and know in my heart that I did everything that I could to to try to make this world um, the healthiest place for all of us, you know, humans and all of the other inhabitants of it. Well, that's that's wonderful. You've described a very solid environmental ethic that that you say it's it's kind of your duty and it's how it's it's what you know from how you were raised and your exposures to the natural settings that you have loved. Um, and and I share that as well, though I notice that not everyone does. And I wish everyone did. <laughs> I think our problems right. would be less. And, right. um, it, and yeah, go ahead. Well, I, something that um, that I learned about about 10 years ago at a really wonderful conference in Vancouver that was called Healthy by Nature, uh, one of the, the presenters at that conference was talking about the results of some research that indicated that when children, and, and I, I apologize if I'm not remembering all the details really correctly because this was a little while ago, but the, the heart of it has stuck with me, that when children, and we'll say um, um you know, for the sake of telling the story that I believe it was children under the age of 10, when children are raised with an appreciation for the natural world and are raised with an awareness of our connection to it and how there is that interconnection there, uh, it's hardwired into you. And that if children don't receive this type of appreciation early on in life, that it does become very difficult to feel that way and to have that awareness and to have that appreciation in their later life. So for me, I mean, I, again, I'm grateful you know, and, and for the privilege of having the upbringing that I did. Uh, but again, it, you know, it really speaks to me that that's why it's so important to be engaging young ones, because maybe there is, you know, something to that, that it, we we are hardwired with that appreciation at a young age. And if we don't have that early on in our lives, it does become a lot harder for one, perhaps, to wrap our brains around the fact that this this is real and this is fundamental and this is our duty to be operating in a world like we are connected to everything else around us. Yeah, that's very, very interesting and intriguing and a little troubling as I think about what um, a lot of a lot of kids are exposed to virtual worlds rather early 
Absolutely. It's something that I think a lot about as well. And I think there are a lot of parents out there that are that are thinking about this. And, and of course, you know, on the optimistic side, we also know, I, I imagine it's the same in the U.S. as it is in Canada, but we're seeing so many more um, uh, ecological preschools and programming where children spend all day outside from a young age. They're in the forest and they're, you know, down by the seashores or they're, you know, in the fields. And that is that is their school. That is where they learn. I think that's incredible. And I'm delighted to see how these are just proliferating. Mm -hmm. And not just in in small communities and in rural communities, but, you know, in large, you know, metropolitan urban areas that they're getting the kids outside in parks, at least, and spending lots of good time out there. Because there's, you know, there's this wonderful world, a playground that's that's just right there for them that has, you know, very little to do with the built environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so instructive. It's it's such a such a, you know, complex, unbelievable um, set of facts that that create nature. It's uh, you know that's that's not very well said, but just to study the complexity of a small ecosystem like ants in a garden. You know, it opens up worlds of um, of uh, imagination, I think. And I'm not an expert in the educational uh, philosophy of that, but but I marvel. I every year, every day, I learn something different about the phenomenal complexity of the natural world, and think, wow, we we must pay attention. And of course, many many scientists are. I'm grateful for that. I I feel exactly the same way. So. Um, because, uh, I'm also, this is also a question I ask a lot when you, when you think about this and both as a nurse and a nurse who's been interested in environment and health a lot, and you're a parent, um, and a daughter and, and many other relationships as well. What, how do you think about your biggest concerns? And it's not like you have to just name one thing, but, but what are you most concerned about given this whole circumstance that we find ourselves in? (laughs) Well, um, I think what jumps to mind for me is kind of two part. I, I mean, one way of answering that question to say something that concerns me wearing perhaps my hat as, you know, the, the president of, um, of Kane and as someone who is trying to network and carry out this good work is that I, I want all nurses to know that there's a place for them in this work, something that we encounter sometimes. Well, I mean, and this is something that I know we encounter with a lot of, um, with a lot of organizational systems change or just social changes, you know, that people often assume that someone else is taking care of that or that there's a reason that they themselves um, either can't or shouldn't be involved in this type of work. And, you know, maybe that is something that, are you know you know from the the Gen X's to the millennials is maybe uh, a little bit more guilty of that we kind of are wanting someone else to do these you know social and civic duties. Something that I, I worry about is that you know we perhaps have a bit more of that philosophy is that it's someone else's problem to deal with and and maybe with you know the younger generations coming in, um, 
you know, maybe that's not quite so apparent. And I certainly, I hope for that and I pray for that. But I, yeah, I really want all nurses to know that, you know, this is all of our issue. And there is a wonderful place for every nurse to be involved in addressing um, the health of our environment. You don't have to be a researcher or an academic or someone who's, you know, wanting to get their face out there. I mean, if you are a nurse in anywhere of practice, there's a place for you in this work and there's an invitation and a desire for you to be engaged in this work. And, um, and if you don't know what that looks like, we'll help you to identify what that looks like because we need, we need the numbers and we need all of our participation to really move these huge challenges forward. So that's one thing that comes to mind. And then the second, perhaps more broad issue and concern that comes to mind for me is, you know, perhaps just, seeing and again this is maybe um with you know slightly less optimism um but perhaps a bit of realism is um just the the very um consumeristic nature of our world and seeing how important that is to so many of us and of course like you know we i i, I am not um, without guilt when it comes to that we all have our guilty pleasures but we are definitely a society um of excess and we are a society of stuff and sometimes you know i it just strikes me like an illness that we have been maybe you know that we have contracted in something that's contagious and you know we there, there's the you know especially with these electronic devices there's always the desire to have the the fancy or the newest one and with so much of our stuff we just it's use it and then throw it away or it breaks and there's no way of fixing it. And I mean, I, I suppose that um, like I, the other half of um, my mother is Canadian and my father is Peruvian. So I've spent a lot of my time also growing up uh, in, in South America where in many ways I've seen huge shifts in that country where, I mean, in, you know, as a product of that environment, many things are repaired because maybe there aren't always the resources to buy new ones. And so there's a huge culture of fixing things and making things there that I've been exposed to in my life, which is is wonderful to see how people, um, you know, aren't always so fast to throw things away and to have that throwout culture. I mean, of course, in some ways, um, you know, with affluence maybe reaching more and more families um, in that part of the world, I mean, you know, it, everyone it kind of holds American Canadian standards up and wants to have more stuff and things like that, which, you know, in some ways kind of, I understand it, but it also breaks my heart because there's a price to that. But, uh, but yeah, stuff, stuff and consumerism. I think this is an illness that many of us are trying to recover from. And that is unfortunately still continuing to infect many of us. When you describe it or when you talk to people or as uh, a, the president of Kane, when you are describing that environmental health and environmental stewardship, environmental concerns are a nursing issue, how do you make that case? That is a wonderful question. And admittedly, that case will be made differently depending on the audience. <laughs> uh, I, I do think that I find myself quite often relating it back to uh, our most beloved Florence Nightingale, who, of course, in her time was so concerned about 
air quality and water quality and all of these things that relate to our physical environment and was engaging in data collection and research and making a quantitative case for why these things mattered. And I see the work that we do as really an extension of that foundation that was laid many years ago with her work that uh, you know, nurses are holistic health professionals in many ways, and that, you know, it, it's not um, just that very biomedical absence of infirmity case that um, applies to the work that we do. We are really about the wellness of the entire being, and that very much relates to, you know, the, the air that we breathe, the water we drink. The food that we eat, um, where we lay our heads at night, um, how we uh, clothe ourselves, all of these things. It's, um, it's really that the holistic approach is the gift that nurses are given in the practice that we do. And that is why the environment is so clearly a part of that. And, and of course, you know, it's always, I think, um, really useful to mention, you know, especially to folks that see, or to nurses rather, that see that the environment uh, is in many ways a nursing issue, that if this then involves, uh, you know, engagement and systems change and lobbying, that as nurses, we have the numbers and, uh, and and of course, we are trusted. I mean, as, as nurses know, we have the honor and privilege of being a very well-respected and trusted profession. And people listen to nurses. And if nurses are telling, you know, the communities, patients, this is real. This is something that we need to be concerned about. And this is something that we can change. People tend to listen. Yes, well said. Not, not only is environment fundamental to health, but nurses are empowered to, to influence, to help create and sustain um, healthier environments that, that we can live in and therefore lead to better health. Absolutely. Yeah, well said. the opportunity to call Jessica back after a bit of a hiatus between when we first had our conversation. And I just wanted to ask if uh, there have been any changes or any progress or work that you've been doing um, regard with Kane and with your Canadian Nurses Environmental Group. Thanks, Beth. I I think that from where I'm sitting, one of the most exciting developments for our network, our National Nursing Association related to the environment, has been the opportunity to work a bit more closely with ANI and with Healthcare Without Harm in incorporating Canadian content into the Nurses' Climate Challenge. So, of course, as many American nurses uh, may be aware, what a wonderful resource there is in the Nurses' Climate Challenge, uh, the website with all of the tools that are available for a nurse to access and download and then use in their discussions with uh, providing advocacy and education around issues concerning the environment and ecology and planetary health. So, uh, I mean, Kane had been interested in developing something like that, but of course, in noticing that there was something that was amazing already developed, we were hoping that we could kind of hop on board and um, 
see that project opened up in a way that would uh, make it more usable and more accessible for Canadian nurses. And so definitely over the last while, we've been working with the great folks that are involved in that project to to make it such that hopefully there will be kind of like, um, uh, I mean, the, the details have yet to be completely worked out, but um, but basically that initiative available in a, a Canadian context. So that's what I'm most excited about right now. That's wonderful. I've heard a little bit about this because I work with Shanda Demarest and others on, on these topics. Um, what would you say are the um, uh, issues or challenges that have that need to be addressed the most? In other words, what are differences that really didn't work well with the American model that will uh, help either reach more Canadian nurses or be more relevant to Canadian nurse, nursing practice? That's a really excellent question. And so thankfully, it's not even really that much that would need to be amended to make it more usable and accessible for Canadian nurses. It really boils down to some things like the statistics component. Of course, a lot of the statistics that are cited in the resources are American. So having the opportunity to change that to Canadian stats, so that'll have a little bit more clout when working with maybe elected officials or health administrators, that type of thing. So there's the statistic component. Uh, there's also aspects, uh, for example, that we have very different healthcare systems mm -hmm. in the United States and Canada, ours being a publicly funded system. And uh, so just in terms of, you know, how healthcare is organized and how our government works with healthcare, there was, again, just the need to maybe change some of the resources there to, to reflect the differences in our healthcare systems. That's fabulous. I'm so glad that is working out. And um, I'm sure that uh, I, I thank you as someone who's been interested in that project, and I'm sure many Canadian nurses are really grateful for your work on that. Thanks, Beth, because again, it's something that we've been wanting to develop for quite some time now. But of course, it's a big undertaking. And when the great work has already been done and just needs to be slightly amended, we have to definitely, we have to, as they say, uh, work a little bit smarter, not harder all the time. Yeah, that's right. Well, thank you for that update. I also just wanted to touch base because since we've, we've talked, we are, uh, it was before the pandemic, it was in January, and now we're in the midst of this um, incredible global experience. And I just wanted to give you the opportunity to update us or reflect on what that, um, what that is like for, for you personally, if you care to, or what your nursing lens from your perspective um, sees. Yeah, that that's a very um, it's a very good question at uh, at a time that, as they say, has been unprecedented. You know, this COVID nineteen situation that we find ourselves in. I mean, certainly personally, I live in a, a very remote community on an island off the west coast, and uh, our community here, especially our indigenous community, is working really hard to ensure no cases come to this island because uh, we have a lot of traditional knowledge holders here, and uh, there is that 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 feeling and that history of you know in our past smallpox when it hit the island that I reside on, I mean it decimated the indigenous population here, and so there there is that that feeling that alarmed feeling that's very much alive. But on, on a day-to-day -day level, I mean, yes, there's physical distancing happening here. And uh, I know a lot of people are putting a lot of time into their own home gardens, which I think, you know, <laughs> is if we have to look at some positive things, that's really nice to think about all the people that are outside and enjoying a bit of, you know, the spring sunshine and planting more food crops this year than ever. And 
of course, I know lots of people have been talking about other little bits of good news. Like I, I was reading about the channels in Venice, Italy, and how the dolphins mm-hmm. are seen there. And, you know, in places in India and Nepal, you can see the Himalayas mm-hmm. having not been able to have seen them for so long and smog lifting and so many huge uh, mega cities all over the world. So, I mean, it's um, it is amazing to think about uh, a pandemic like this and what a absolutely global impact it's had in such a short time i mean thinking about air travel almost completely stopping and we think about you know the climatic footprint that air travel has had and we think about you know maybe all of the the consumerism that has just had to slow down so much because we can't just you know shop as we used to and I think it, it's really impressive to think about how people's minds and practices have had to change so quickly mm-hmm. and how we see all these different levels of government having to work together in ways that maybe they haven't had to before and do it so quickly. And mm-hmm. I, like I'm sure many folks, are just praying that there can be some lessons out of this that can apply to our concerns around climate change, the environment. So may it may it serve us well, may it serve us in positive ways, this pandemic that's happening in the world right now. Yeah. Well, thank you for that insight and that perspective, Jessica. It's helpful and heartening. And I I enjoy thinking of you on the island in the archipelago with gardens being planted and uh, the spring sun happening. Um, so it makes me smile. That's good. I, I really I appreciate that it's going to maybe bring some smiles to people's faces. And yeah, yeah may this uh, may this again just leave some positive impacts on us as a, as a global society, this pandemic. That's right. Here, here. Well, thank you for touching base with me again. I feel like it's um, we have kind of brought ourselves up to speed and, and time. Is there anything else you'd like to add today? I think I'd just really like to stress again that there is a place for a nurse working in anywhere, anywhere in practice, there's a place for nurses to be involved in environmental and ecological issues. And if you are in Canada, we wholeheartedly welcome you aboard uh, in our group, Kane. And as I mentioned, we'll find a place for you to be engaged in this work in a way that uh, that hopefully you can feel comfortable and passionate with. And I think that for nurses across the border, and of course, you know, and beyond that might be listening to this podcast, um, to just feel that solidarity to know that, you know, we in the North, we have our counterpart, and we are Um, equally concerned and working on these issues and wanting to support the issues that you're involved in. I I really want there to be that feeling of camaraderie and solidarity amongst all of us because it's it's not an issue that's going to be dealt with in isolation. There are thousands, if not millions of us in this world of nurses that are concerned about these things. So um, no nurse is alone if she's concerned about these issues. And let's get connected and stay connected and share and learn from each other and, and do our part so that at the end of the day, we will know we did what we could. You bet. Thank you. Nice to talk to you. It's so good to talk to you too, Beth. Thank you to Jessica Madrid for talking with me both times. I appreciate Jessica's comments that we should operate in a world as if we are connected to everything around us. 
These are wise words at a time of both an infectious disease crisis and an environmental crisis. And I enjoyed getting to know Jessica. Thank you all for listening today. This and other episodes of the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast can be found at envirn.org. Please leave a review for us wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you next time.